Hey everybody, it's Greg. Episodes of the QNT podcast were recorded between June and September 2022. All mentions of the Patreon are now obsolete as that channel no longer exists. The information, however, is still relevant and hopefully you find some value in it. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? This is Greg Lunt, and welcome back to episode four of the Quant Podcast here on Patreon. This recording is taking place on July 17th, 2022. Our guest today is a blossoming legend in the Quant community. He's knowledgeable, he's passionate, he's supportive, he's fair. When I first started this Patreon, actually, I got a bunch of backlash from a few haters in the community, and he was there to back me up both privately and publicly, and I'll always be grateful to him for that. Most days you can find him either educating people in the Quanfi Lounge or recording his Quant-focused YouTube and podcast series that releases a Dutch and English episode every week called The Quanfi Show. Please welcome Yarno to the podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Wow, what an introduction. I already was excited, but now I'm even blushing. Thank you so much for these kind words, and thank you so much for doing me the honors of being on your podcast. Really cool. Of course, man. And, you know, I had a great time on your show a few months back and I saw that it's done pretty well. And I know that people kind of circulate it sometimes. It comes up some of our conversation. It was really fun with you and Tim. If you guys haven't heard that episode, definitely go to YouTube, go to Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts and type in the Quamfy show and Greg Lunt. And, and yeah, we had a really good conversation. So, of course, I'm going to bring you back over here on my end, and this time I get to grill you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I like to start these episodes out a little bit non-crypto, non-quant, and just to help the audience get to know you a little bit better and ask you just like a round of lightning round questions that are kind of unrelated to the space, and, and they're just kind of fun little dumb questions. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. Hit me. All right. So first question, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Why not? Sandwich to me constitutes the loaves of bread. So being flat and and having the the toppings in between that and, and a hot dog generally is like is a bun that's cut open either on the top or the side and the sausage put in between. So I think it's not that's not the same to me. <laughs> if there were stats available for every aspect of your life, which stat would you want to see? Oof. From a learning perspective, how much time of my life did I not have fun? Interesting. Wow. I like that. If you could go back in time and party with any celebrity, who would it be? I think it'd be either Sylvester Stallone or yeah, or, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think I'd go with Sylvester Stallone. He's one of my youth heroes. Yeah, I'd go with Stallone. I like that you said either Sylvester or Arnold. You got to go for one of the, the 90s monster legends. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Who's the most powerful company in the world and why do you think so? Google. They own the most data. They know they have to know the most knowledge. But I do think that they, contrary to Facebook, Alphabet has a little bit of a better reputation subjectively. So I, I'd, I'd say that that gives Alphabet the edge. I, I, I believe that, that information and, and, and connection 
is what gives power in a way. And in my opinion, Google has dug itself in so well across so many different verticals. Yeah, Google. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? One horse-sized duck. Because you could just you could just go swift to like one one puncture to the neck and he's done. For instance, yeah, I, I'd go with my teeth. I think. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite curse word? Fuck, no doubt it's not original, but I fucking love it. If you were held at gunpoint and told that if you didn't impress them with your dance moves, you would be killed, what dance move would you bust out? Drunken boxing and kick his ass. Is that a dance move, the drunken boxer? I believe it's a fighting style. Drunken monkey, drunken boxer, something like that. I have no clue, man. I am not a dancer at all. <laughs> I would actually disagree with that because my favorite meme by far <laughs> of 2022 oh, is that's the right. Yarno circle dance. And I had to actually go back yeah. and find that episode and watch it live because I didn't see it live. And I was like, what is the context for this? Yeah, And, and I was just... I don't know. I just I'm overcome with joy every time I see that clip. Yeah, that's true. I do a little bit of uh, it's, it's called Hakka in Dutch, uh, dancing to hardcore music. That is actually something that I am uh, pretty proficient at. I, I I could do that for sure to save my life. Definitely. Okay, couple more here. Toilet paper under or over? Over. Don't want to be touching the wall every time, or other people. Yeah. And then finally. Do you hold any tokens besides QNT? And if so, do you mind sharing what your second largest position is? Yeah, that's XCM. I think my largest right now. It's the Coin Metro token. All right. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks for doing that. And uh, love the questions. I think even I learned a little bit about just how you think. Uh, I totally agree with the Google answer. I agree with the one horse size duck answer. I agree with the curse word also. So a lot in common. And also never put the toilet paper under because that's just psycho shit. Yeah, I, I was kind of second guessing on what you actually meant with that. I, I thought you meant how the roll is positioned on the wall and how the paper comes. Because I, on second hand, I thought like, okay, is that this talking wiping technique? Because then I might have to reassess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, over would be from the front, right? That's That's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, not for men at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you could share uh, a little bit about your background, uh, whether you want to touch on kind of your growing up life and where you're from, or just dive straight into maybe some of your professional background. Just give the people an idea of anything you kind of want them to know about you in terms of, you know, how you've developed uh, in life or in this space or as a professional and, and how that rolls over into the way that you look at crypto. For sure. My name is actually Jarno. Uh, I live in the Netherlands. I was raised um, Nieuwekerk aan den IJssel. That's uh, close to Rotterdam. So it's kind of like the southwest of the Netherlands. Together with my sister, my younger sister. And um, lost my mother at a young age. I was nine. Uh, my sister was seven. That had quite the impact. But besides that, we had a really, a really happy childhood. Uh, played a lot of hockey. So not the ice hockey, but field hockey. After that, went to high school, decided pretty quickly that I did not like the school system. Um, so I finished uh, my MAVO. I don't know what's that uh, translated in English. 
um, but it's it's just below uh, qualification for going to a higher education. Um, and I was fine with that because I wanted to join the Marine Corps. And I did. So I went uh, in the Marines when I was 18, went to Iraq in 03, Afghanistan in 05, Somalia in 2012. And after that, I left um, as a NCO, a corporal in the, in the Netherlands Marines, to go study applied psychology um, in college. That took me well over eight years. In the meantime, I uh, gotten divorced, changed relationship. Now I have two children, bachelor's in psychology, and I'm a full-time uh, crypto influencer now, I suppose. <laughs> so that was in, uh, in rocket speed, what I've been up to. Awesome. Yeah. So I didn't realize that you're doing all this full-time now. So that's really exciting. And I, I wanted to ask you, a little bit about your approach in terms of your influencing or the way that you take on some of the telegram stuff, you know, something that I'm actually really passionate about. And I don't know if we've ever spoken about this, but this idea of voice over text, and you take a very interesting approach to the way that you communicate via all these different channels. And mm. you know, obviously you have a podcast and that's essentially audio based. You also do video, but you, you know, you use the, the spoken word, but then on telegram, you also send a lot of voice messages. In fact, your name on Telegram is Yarno, and then it says DMs with the VMs, as in direct messages with the voice messages. Yep. And you also place those VMs in the main channels for everyone to listen to when you have thoughts that you want to expand on. And I think people find a lot of value in those. So what's your thought process behind that? Is it just because it's easier? Do you feel like you're able to expand? Like, like what brought you to the place where you made that almost your default messaging system. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for the feedback on uh, that, that people potentially, or people get value from that. Uh, I, I'm hoping they do. It started actually when, when I was in college, I have an opinion on just about everything and I have a pretty direct way of communicating with people. And if I want to say something, I usually say it or in case of the social media being WhatsApp and stuff, um, type it but there goes a lot of nuance lost usually with flat text and especially back then uh, when I got out of the marines I uh, I wasn't okay um, for for thorough reasons not necessarily because of uh, what happened there it was part of it so I was even more direct and I wasn't as uh, proficient in communication as I am right now so Communicating in text got me a lot of problems. I was 28 or 29, and I was in uh, working groups of children of 17 years old and a semi-PTSD ex-Marine trying to get his way or giving, quote-unquote, feedback. Well, let's say it was frowned upon how, how I went about that. So I learned the hard way that communicating in text can get you into a lot of trouble. So I started using the voice messages to bring across uh, the nuance and the, and the tonality in, in my voice and, um, and, and taking a little bit more time to elaborate on what I was actually trying to convey to people to simply not be misunderstood. And that worked very well. Obviously, there was a lot of resistance in the beginning. People do not like to be forced 
to do something and with my voice message and i'm i am aware of that i force people to either listen or, or don't engage with it but it worked pretty well and together with me getting better at communicating that kind of stuck and um it's also an efficient thing because most of the time I'm, I'm trying to explain something i think most things in life are not black and white it's always nuanced Again, to, to convey nuance, I think it needs more than 10 words in one sentence in general. I totally agree with all of that. And I was mentioning, I don't think I've talked about this on the show. I can't remember, but I, I think I talked about it on your show, actually, where I actually created an audio speed dating app a few years ago. It was kind of my passion project for about two and a half years and did some cool stuff with that. And, and I just you know, really believe in the power of audio and the power of voice communication, especially when you compare it to text. And then in the dating realm, I think compared to video, it's better as well, because you don't have to worry so much about, you know, where you are and what you look like. And so having these audio conversations just provides an incredible amount of like protection for the speaker, but also a way to really understand who you're talking to. And there's actually science that backs this up that voice communi- voice only communication enhances empathic accuracy as compared to multi-sense communication. And so, yeah, audio is amazing. And I think that from a branding perspective, I think you've really set yourself apart that way in the community as someone who is able to express themselves. And a lot of people, you know, weirdly enough, have fright about speaking. Uh, if Like even just a recording or a phone call, it feels like public speaking to them. And it's a, it's a great way, I think, like you say, to be able to express yourself accurately. Uh, it's also easier than having to type out something that's incredibly nuanced. It's like you can just kind of go off the top of the dome and, and people will understand and be able to follow along. So there's a lot of benefits to it. And I always enjoy listening to your messages. So don't stop doing those, please. And, uh, you know, what was your journey into crypto kind of taking a bit of a turn here? Like, was Bitcoin the first thing you heard about? Was it Ethereum? Was it something else? And then how did that lead you to Quant? And what were some of your initial thoughts around that? Yeah, a reasonably long time ago, not necessarily crypto, but I actually started on the interest for angel investing. I have been influenced quite a lot by Timothy Ferris. That's with double R, double S. Tim Ferriss' podcast is uh, is brilliant. He is also the author of the the four hour work week, and he spoke about in two thousand and eight how you can detach yourself from your office, your workplace, and and practically work anywhere. I thought it was really interesting. So that was by means of using a BlackBerry; those existed back then, and and, and negotiating a remote remote work arrangements, so you can actually start doing the things you love. Then I got to thinking, okay, what can I do to make the amount of money needed to actually fulfill that dream. So just do whatever I want, whenever I want, and still get paid in a way. I've been looking for a thousand things. And eventually through Tim Ferriss, I found this angel investing thing. I was like, okay, this is interesting. It's like investing in startups, really high risk, but also a really high barrier to entry. Um, But it did spark my interest. And after that, I had no financial means to do that. So that kind of went on the back burner, went back to the grind. And then at some point, I think it was like four years ago, I got really interested in Tesla and that reignited my my interest in um, practically getting rich. And eventually I opened a, a broker account, got some, I got some stocks and stuff 
got to work in a vape shop. And that's, this is where the crypto happened. There was a guy and I spoke with him a couple of times and I was looking on my phone. I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? So we got to talking about investing and he's like, yeah, dude, you need to buy XRP. <laughs> with, with, with a voice like that. And like, wait, what's XRP? And then he explained the crypto side of things and whatnot. So I had some time there, did some digging. And I was like, wait, this XRP story, all the money, all the banks, doesn't really make sense. So I made a call to a former colleague of mine. I knew he was in altcoins. And he's like, dude, if you want to lose your money, go into XRP. You're better off checking out this quant thing. So <laughs> that's when I, uh, I started my deep dive and rabbit hole that day, looking at the CV of Gilbert and looking at all the things that were planned for the treasury and with the gateways and that entire concept. And it, it, it just made so much sense that I, I, I opened an account on, on a broker as well, uh, Bitcoin Meister in, in, the, in the Netherlands. And, and, and just got a ton of Q&T on the first day. And within the week, I was all in on that. Found Quamfi Lounge and never looked back. So I was one of the really lucky ones in a way to know a person that pointed out to me, okay, stay away from the XRP story. Go have a look at Quant and make up your own mind. So I didn't make too many fatal mistakes in that part of my journey, at least. How long ago was this that you found Quant? early 2020 a little bit after the COVID crash wow okay that's great timing yeah that's exciting and it's funny how i think there are so many of us who once we find out what this is and we start to do a little bit of research and the rabbit hole just expands and expands and everything starts to click and there's just so many of us that just all of a sudden you find yourself either all in or largest holding or whatever it is because it's really set itself apart from a lot of these other projects and there's a realness to it. There's a, of course, there's so much speculation that goes down because of the white label nature. But at the same time, there's this tangibleness to it that a lot of the other projects don't have where if you think about it, even though these networks are potentially a little more public and a little more transparent in, in the way that the system operates and the way that transactions are happening and dApps are being built, et cetera. The adoption is so speculative in the reality of the future of the world. Whereas the quant, it's like, oh, okay. I snap out of for a second, this like little crypto bubble of like, oh, this is, you know, gaining traction and this is that. And it's like, well, hold on. We're only operating in a very, very, very small subset of the money flow. Mm -hmm. But when you think about quant, it like reintegrates you back into the real world and and how crypto and how distributed ledgers and blockchain will actually impact society and actually are partnering and working with the largest players in the entire globe. And it kind of created like a reframework of how I approach crypto because of its ties to everything else. Yeah, and that was what got me straight off the bat. I once learned there's no better work than a network. And when I looked at Gilbert's CV and, and what he has been involved with, from government to banks to healthcare and, and, and whatnot on several continents, and I combined that with what, what, what I also agreed to be a very big problem. Even I, I knew nothing about blockchain or DLT. I had no clue. My first Uniswap attempt uh, was... It was a disaster and, and all that stuff. So I, I knew nothing but that part of it that that just made so much sense. 
simply from a psychology perspective is that all people, all leaders, all bosses, everybody always wants to have everything that they created for themselves. So everything is a silo and everything is protected. And everything is a secret. So that automatically means that nothing works together. And that resonated so much with the word interoperability, the treasury model just in itself with, with the gateless stuff. And again, I didn't know shit, but it, it seemed so logical. And together with, like I said, the CV, just just that drew me over the line. Then I went to Quamfi Lounge and, and, and Council and, and whatnot. And, and just the general community feel something really special, in my opinion, on the quant community is that there's so much knowledge and there's so much willingness to help each other out and help each other become better and understand. And obviously, everybody has their agenda and everybody's there to make money. But just the general vibe of the community and the way it is ran, it's just, well, it was, it felt so professional and so serious that it was like the polar opposite of what I knew from crypto at large. It's an amazing project for sure. I think it's a great point about the community because I feel the same way that, of course, we have our moments when we're the, we're moon boys. And you, as much as you want to say, like, I'm here for the vision, I'm here for the tech, I think we're all here for the money, at least some large percentage of what we're doing. Like, okay, it's fun to, like, expand our mind in what this technology can allow for and to this this vision of the new of new societies and different marketplaces and all that but like we all want to get rich too like that's definitely part of it mm-hmm. and so you can't really separate the two in my opinion unless you're literally an engineer that is just so obsessed with the technicals like gilbert or something but if you're sitting in quanfi lounge and we're like tra- tracing wallet action and stuff like <laughs> that like if you're in that like you're there for the money on some level like you can't deny that right and so when you think about the way that the community conducts itself, it has this element of like, yes, let's go to the moon, but it's all rooted in the fundamentals and that seriousness that you mentioned. And I think, you know, guys like Jeff kind of really perpetuate that in Ghost where they, it always comes back to the FA and it always comes back to the way that the company moves and the professionalism that they operate with really spills over into a way that we operate and it's really that perfect balance right between between moon boy degen and you know reading freaking federal reserve and bis like papers like there's no other projects that are really doing that at the level that we are from what i can tell again huge compliments to uh, to all the quamfi lounge admins especially jeff he cushioned my fall in a way when i entered quamfi lounge it was a relatively for that time, big influx of people uh, with Quant uh, moving up to like the four or five euro mark. Sounds strange when I say that now. Um, but there were reasonable amounts of wallets adding every day, like five or ten. <laughs> Can you imagine? But yeah, now, man, Jeff and all the other guys, um, really patient. A lot of information um, being distributed. Obviously, a lot of memeing, a lot of fun. That was also when, uh, when CryptoCoid Luke was, was still active in Lounge. I remember him helping people out with the Uniswap airdrop, people needing ETH. Uh, they could DM him, send them ETH, that kind of uh, that kind of craziness. It's uh, it's something else, man. And uh, people can say whatever they want of Quamfi Lounge, but you get what you give in a quant community. If you're being a dick, you're being treated as such. And if you're just moderately n- normal, 
then people will carry you and, and, and help you any way they can. I agree. I do think that we could improve when it comes to dealing with people who disagree with us. Mm, I and agree. I think that a lot of times they do come in with a harsh tone, but I've also found that sometimes people come in, uh, there are many, I've seen this multiple times where they come in honestly with real questions and they get kind of thrown down. And so I think, I think we do have an opportunity to become more empathetic. I know it does get frustrating because we deal with some of the same questions over and over. So how do you think about quote unquote FUD? How do you think about, you know, people that come in and, you know, you know, having to employ the patients to deal with the same questions over and over, but also like it's part of our job in a way that we've given ourselves that we've chosen to be the distributors of knowledge. Yes, I agree. I think uh, FUD, which stands for uh, fear, uncertainty and doubt. I think in general, the meaning of that has been torn out of context and it's become ambiguous in a way. Looking at my behavior for myself as a perspective in Maine for the last couple of weeks, trying to be a little bit of a gatekeeper there. And, and, and try and, and, and help people coming in with questions. Most people come in with good intentions. Usually people come from different projects. They either come from Bitcoin or, or something else. And those communities are also different. Um, it, it, it's like in the gaming communities, there are so many games where people are just used to communicating with profanity and, 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 and elbowing their way through the ranks to get what they want. Sometimes it appears that somebody is just there to stir shit but it usually depends on how much how much sleep I had. But then it can be easy to just shrug it off as being fun because when we do that, that means we don't have to do anything else. It's like uh, the, the the hack to uh, going home from work early. And and I noticed that I've been doing that sometimes in the Quamfi Lounge. And so I'm, uh, I went to Maine and, and started doing a little bit of a doorman action just to tune up my typing as well, because I obviously can't use voice messages there and just try and teach myself also to be more eloquent, but also teach myself a little bit more patience and being more to the point. And I think as a result, I, be I become a better admin and, and more patient and more tolerant for quote unquote FUD questions. I think that FUD in most cases is just people trying to get answers. It's a good way to look at it. And I kind of want to turn a little bit to quant itself here. And I got a question here from one of the patrons. Uh, Zapper wanted to ask you a question about which unconfirmed partnership or application are you most interested in and why? Meta is the first, the first thing that comes to mind. That's, that's definitely not confirmed and, and, and merely a interoperable speculation kind of thing. I think that'd be a, a, a really, really interesting one due to the, the sheer reach that they have, if, if there was a, if, if there were clues into Alphabet being into Quant, I'd probably go with them. But I think Meta, because simply Facebook, carries, what, 2 billion users, something like that? That's just an astounding number of people to have on a platform. And with their prospects of uh, being front and center in the metaverse, if that's even possible... <laughs> Because it's going to be as, as 4D probably as it can be. I'd be really curious as to what Quant can do for Zuck and Meta. I think that would produce a ton of, of transactions. And obviously, Quant is not about monetary value. It's about the number of transactions themselves, which makes it even more interesting. Because the sheer amount of data that is being transferred over a platform as, as Facebook, I'm not up to speed on the numbers. But I think it's an incomprehensible amount 
of data moving across the world and that'd be very beneficial on the bottom line of the balance sheet. I think you use a really interesting word there, which is data, that I don't think is used enough in our community when we think about the value of QNT and the value of interoperability. And that is really the crux of all these systems that are being built. It's being able to share this data in a way that is interoperable, not just sharing money. Like money is one form of data and one form of value. But, you know, back to your original answer about, you know, Google being the most important or powerful company in the world because of the data that they hold and that, and that they have access to. And similarly uh, with Meta and not just having metaverse interoperability, but also what they know about people and how that is moved around and different ad networks and all these types of things need to flow from system to system. How do you think about interoperability as a whole when you think about Again, the money, the data, I mean, there's so many things that need to flow and all these new pathways and systems and everything get brought together. And you have something like Quant that's, you know, really going after this mesh network, like the thing that's going to bring it all together. What does interoperability mean to you when you hear that word? What does it spark in terms of your vision of the future? The short answer is everything is data. And I think that goes for money. I think that goes for human behavior and it's being gathered. The vast majority of data can't really be used quite yet, but everything we do, every action we take, every step we make is, is data because you carry your phone, you carry your smartwatch. And if you can transfer data from one point to another point, that means it's interoperable with each other in my, uh, in my book. And since everybody, like I said, wants to hold on to the control and the power that they have, whether it be a country or a company, they will nearly always try and create their own solution. Example, JPM coin. Example, uh, Libra or, or Meta in this case. Example, USDC, USDF, USDT, and so on. If everybody wants to control and secure their own power and their own bit of the world, how can it ever work together? It can't. So what do you need? You need something that doesn't care about what's being transferred from left to right, kind of like a, a neutral party that makes everything communicate. And I think that's interoperability. Yeah, so that is, you know, it's a big vision. And there's a lot to kind of break down there because most of us are not experts in this field and we're learning as we go. And part of the learning journey I've found, and I think a lot of people, this is actually, you know, I guess a pretty common sentiment is that, you know, the more that you teach, the more that you learn, because not only are you forced to do research up front about these things, but once you're forced to kind of put it in layman's terms and, and redistribute the knowledge that you've soaked in to help other people, you're forced to reconstruct it in your own mind and you just learn it so much better. So, you know, I want to ask you a little bit about the Quanfi show and, you know, if you could share kind of maybe how it started, like where did you meet Tim and how did it all come together? And then what your guys' purpose is and your vision in terms of educating the community and providing entertainment. I know you guys have rebranded recently. You've done a great job with your graphics and you have the Instagram that's tied to it. So tell me a little bit more about that project, how it came to be and what you guys are trying to do. Yes. Good question. Once again, damn, you sure did your homework. So the Quanfi show, 
It, it actually started with the Dutch quant group, the NLBA quant group. If that hurt your ears, I'm sorry. Um, became an app somewhere late 2020, early 21, after I had a, a little bit of a break, because it was, um, in my opinion, a little bit of a mess. Got back there and started communicating voice messages a lot. Somewhere 2021, Tim hopped on board and he did voice messages as well. So Tim and I had like these discussions and these debates. And there were people like, dude, you guys should start a podcast. I was like, no, fuck that shit. I, uh, I had a YouTube channel in the past and the social media stuff. It annoys me. It bothers me. Uh, and why the ads, the anonymity of people, um, the way the data is managed, etc. So I was like, no, fuck that. Not going to do that. Not going to happen. And then I reconsidered. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And Tim was also like, yeah, maybe. So that was the seed. And um, after things went on uh, a couple of, a couple of months, Tim and I were like, okay, dude, maybe we should uh, should explore this a bit. And we're like, okay, we can give this a go. We can do this remote. We don't have to do difficult things with recording studios and stuff. And I love that. I love complicating things um, and, and making th- things really elaborate. But he was like, no, dude, let, let's just meet in person. Let's let's see if there's a click. In, uh, in real life as well. Let's see if we can make a plan. That was in September last year. I think around all-time high-ish. Maybe a little bit after. And we, we, we started digging into the potential ways of, of, of going about that. Dutch people in general have pretty good English comprehension and speaking qualities. But quant is not easy. Quant has a lot of dependencies for understanding. Your interoperability question... I was reflecting on that earlier, how I answered. And I used so many big words that by themselves need at least five minutes of explanation that are that are so common generally. And, and, and most Dutch people cannot keep up with that. They don't have the time to read. And if they have the time to read, it is just complicated. And we were like, okay, how can we jump on that and, and help? the Dutch community comprehend this project better. How can we make it more easy to understand? And how can we teach? Because there is so much shit on the internet. So that was our goal. And we did that. We got questions. Want to go in English? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. So we spoke that through, spoke that through. And now we have two channels. And uh, we're actually doing the same in English as we do in Dutch. Although the English episodes are a little bit more structured. And a little bit more on the FA, uh, the fundamental analysis, whilst the Dutch show is a little bit more laid back, more relaxed, because it's our native language, of course. But the main goal is still make topics understandable and relatable for everybody. And that's why we also go with long form. That's where our videos last, what, hour and a half, two hours. We even have videos lasting almost four hours. We've been cutting back on those. Those were really exhausting to do. But... Yeah, we try and chew everything out. We try and address as much as we know as possible on those topics and provide the resources as well. Our descriptions are always filled with the sources of the topics that we cover to the best of our knowledge. And just try and be upfront and not be the classic influencer. I think what you guys are doing for the community is really important. I think you're filling a bunch of different niches. Obviously, the first one is for the Dutch community. 
And there's probably a bigger one than most people realize in this particular project and in crypto in general. You're filling a YouTube niche, which is sorely missing as far as community-driven quant content. There are a few other people doing quant, but they're also covering other projects and they don't go quite as deep as you guys do into the different partnerships and speculative partnerships. And they also, those folks... You know, they're not really in the Telegram or communicating with us on Twitter. Like they're kind of a little bit outside of the core community. So to have you guys doing it from a place of like real understanding of how we move is super cool. And then also the Instagram you guys have, which is quant.updates on Instagram, I think is something that we don't have enough of is an Instagram presence. So you guys are covering a lot of different bases for us where, you know, most of the content that gets created around quant is in the Telegram and is on Twitter. You guys are pretty much covering everything else by yourself, including multiple languages. So, you know, you do it in a way that's fun and you do it in a way that's educational. And, you know, I think it's really important that you guys keep it up because I learn a lot from it and I have a lot of fun with it. And I always recommend you guys to different people who are looking to get into the project. So thank you for doing it. Keep it up. And I want to give you, you know, just a chance as we wrap up here to kind of let people know where they can find you on social, whether that's you personally or the Quanfi show. Do you want to plug anything, how you can redirect them so that they can get in contact with you or consume your content? Yeah. Well, Greg, first of all, thank you so much for this amazing format. I really, uh, really enjoy talking here and where we can be found practically everywhere. Our main platform is on Podbean. Greg will put that in the in description, I suppose, but we're called the Quamfi show everywhere with spaces, I think. And if you type in Quamfi in Google, we're first page hits. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon, Alexa. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash she slash the Quamfi show. And you can find me on, uh, on Twitter, Yarno the Quamfi show. We have a the Quamfi show Twitter account as well. And on Telegram, you can find me at the Quamfi Lounge. My, uh, my handle is a little bit difficult. I'm in like 18 groups or something. So just holler anywhere if you have a question, you want to know something. And uh, you can find me and the Quamfi Show, obviously. So do that, guys. I'll definitely have all those links down in the description on Patreon. So make sure you check him out. And yeah, he'll be he'll definitely be in the Quamfi Lounge uh, dropping some bombs or some jokes or some memes. Yarno always keeps it fresh and positive. So Thank you, man, for joining me. I really appreciate it, especially on such short notice. Uh, Yarno is sick right now and has family obligations, and he still cut out time for me to make this episode happen. So really appreciate it, brother. Hopefully we can do this again soon and keep up the good work. Thank you, man. It was my pleasure. And, uh, and for you as well, it's um, the, the amount of work that you put in bettering this community and helping people to, to learn and to understand it's, uh, it's admirable, especially how quickly you have grown in what you do. You're a true asset. Please keep this up. And again, man, thanks so much for being here. There you have it. We've done it again. Episode four in the books. Yarno is the fucking man. No surprise. Every time I talk with him, I find we have more in common. And I can't wait to chop it up with him again soon. All of his links are in the description below. And remember to check out my guest appearance on The Quamfy Show. I believe it's their most viewed episode on YouTube. And there's a ton of good stuff in there, including a lot about my background and the approach that I take to the content, the content that I create. I appreciate you listening all the way through. 
please drop a comment either on Patreon or in the Telegram channel and let me know what you thought. I love sending your comments to the guests after the fact. Ghost, Devin, and Hungarian all really appreciated it. So if you like what you heard from Yarno, go ahead and drop something in the chat. I'll see you guys back here on Monday for a new video. Talk to you then. Peace.